0: You know what really grows the kingdom of God is friendships. It's those who know somebody and they come along. It's very daunting for somebody to come to church all by themselves off a postcard or an advertisement. That's just letting people know we're here because we're hidden right now inside of a school building uh, on a campus. But uh, we're, So next week we are going to give everybody... A uh, little uh, advertising, little business cards. We'll have like five in your bulletin. We'll have stacks back. We'll have 3,000 of them out on the table for you to pick up any time. Advertising the church on the backs is a little map. And we want you to use those as invites and invite as many friends as you can on December, 20, on December. Let's do it this month. January 25th. This month. And listen, we're not putting all of our eggs in one day. Um, we just want to launch. But I believe God is going to increase us gradually all throughout this year. But let's use December. Uh, I love Christmas. I'm still back there, obviously. January 25th. Let's just use that as a day, a high day that we all participate in. Give God our best and let him add to our family, and then we can build. And I believe the Lord's word for us is momentum. We are going to gain momentum as we all dive in and partner with God. But before we move forward, I want us to be thankful for what God did in 2008. Now, I know that that all of us know it was a hard year. And uh, we could all, you know, uh, grab a non-alcoholic beer and... Uh, and commiserate over the hardships. But you know, what? God worked last year. God touched lives last year right here in this church. And what I always like to do every Vision Sunday is have a handful of people who came to our fellowship last, the, the previous year to say how this church has positively impacted their lives. So I would like us to welcome uh, Chris Prytower, Rachel Perry, Doug and Lisa Powell, and David and Tina Hernandez and Joel P. Would you all come down? Let's welcome them. You guys come on down here. Now you're about to hear the fruit of your prayers and your loving and your stepping out and reaching out. God is bearing fruit. The end, if I can put this in business terms, forgive me for being crass. The end product of the kingdom of God And a local church is changed lives. Amen. People say, why do you count people? Because people count. Every person counts. And we love changed lives. That's why we're here. And so let's hear from some of these folks and tell us how how has uh, being part of this fellowship impacted your life? I'm I'm
1: Joel Peavy. That that particular one that that John mentioned. (laughs) So. I came to this church, what, about six months ago? Something like that. And uh, it's been the worst six months of my life. Let me tell you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so over the last two years, my life has changed pretty. Even
0: when you screen the testimonies beforehand, you still don't know what you're really going to get right. That's right. on game day.
1: Got to watch it with me, John. So my life changed pretty dramatically over the last two years, kind of unexpectedly. Not, not in, a, in, a, in a positive way. And I didn't really have a church family at the time to, to kind of fall back on. God was certainly my life at the time. Um, but when kind of all the dust settled, I knew that I needed to find a church. So just sort of at random, kind of looking at the Internet, looking for churches around San Diego, um, ended up finding this place. And I thought, well, I'll give this a shot. <clears throat> and I thought, well, this is going to be sort of this big, long, drawn-out process for months of Sundays, just trying to find a church that fits. And... When I came, this church had everything that I wanted, and I knew that it clicked. Mm. It had the right music. It had the most welcoming family of people I've ever been in, in any church that I've been in. Mm. And you guys are all of that, so thank you. John is is, is amazing. Um, he's one of the best pastors. <laughs> that...
0: I made sure he was gonna say that in the screening process.
1: That's right. No, I, I, I mean that I mean that completely sincerely. I mean everything I said about this church. It's 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 definitely been <clears throat> I would say it's it's been the best church because of all those reasons mm. that that I've been a part of. Mm. And um, since then, you you know you kinda of look at your at your life and you think of all the different stages you've gone through. When I think about the particular stage that, that I'm going through now that, that, that started back then, this church stands forefront in that, in my memory. Like, mm. that's sort of the, the, the place where it, you know, mm. kind of builds from. Mm. So I'm just looking to keep on building that with all of you and with John Amen. and everybody else. Amen. Awesome. I, I have to say one more thing this was not this was not a point of finding a new church, but I have found somebody very special in my life, and that was from this church, so <laughs> it's
2: been rainy days ever since. That's right. and It's been
1: raining ever since, I tell you. That's great.
3: Thanks, Joel. Actually, you grab a seat. Thanks. Oh, Chris. Well, um, I grew up in the church and um, as a result, I think took everything for granted. Um, believed in God virtually my entire life, but um, God ordered my steps in such a way that the last few years have been very, very difficult. And um, and looking back now, I'm very glad that they were, because by taking a lot of things away, it's forced me to look to God. Hmm. And um, a coworker of mine went to this church. And she came back and told me about a healing that she had experienced. And um, I, don't, you guys have probably heard of uh, the mo- the book and the movie, The Secret. Mm-hmm. Um, that really intrigued me, but it disturbed me that it was so godless.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, some of the things in the in, in it are very compelling, but also I think steer people away from God mm-hmm. and 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 draw people into themselves. Well. I really wanted to experience God in a powerful way. And um, it, like when I read about Moses in the burning bush, I get mad. You know, I get jealous that like, well, why can't I, you know, just experience God in a powerful way? I don't want to be a Christian that just walks around, praise the Lord. And uh, I believe in Jesus. Uh, I, like I really want a God experience. And I, so I want something real, you know. And um, when she told me about that, I had to come. I had to find out what was going on. She brought a CD of Mark preaching. I thought, wow, this is really cool. And then I come and I find out Mark's not the pastor, so it was false advertising. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) but, uh, I get Joel,
0: (laughs) you get Chris, (laughs) but I, Let's see. Let's see who ends up by the end of this. We'll see who has the
3: most disciples. (laughs) No, but I was really uh, I I was just, you know, coming to this church. um, I really felt drawn by the Holy Spirit to uh, experience God in a very real way. And I've just been diving into the Bible and uh, into prayer and everything has been changing. But I'm just I'm you talk about heaven on earth a lot. And that is exactly what I had been starving for. You know, I mean, I went to Iwana, memorized all these scriptures my entire life. You know, you just, you just, I mean, I, I, it's got to be similar to what it's like to be a preacher's kid where you're just like, yeah, okay, you know, um, I know all that kind of stuff, you know. And then, but then God like touches your heart and yeah. it's like everything is different, everything is new. And so I'm just very excited to be here and I'm excited to, to like, that, 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 um, song said, taste and see. Well, I'm excited to taste and see, you know, to really experience what God has. And so I feel drawn to that and, and to this Amen. church. Amen. Thank awesome, you. Chris. Rachel.
4: Hi. Hi, I'm Rachel Perry. And I first came to the Gathering Place because Jeff and Margie Linskis invited my husband and I. For the Allen Vincent, I guess it was in February then.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And let's see, the Gathering Place has drawn me Basically, because I can feel the Holy Spirit here and mm. I finally belong somewhere in mm. a community. And, and um, basically, you just welcome me with open arms, and mm. I'm grateful for that. Mm.
0: You're welcome, <laughs> girl. You. You're welcome. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Doug and Lisa Powell.
4: Um, we started coming here a year ago. Thanks again to Jeff and Margie. Um. <laughs>
0: What um, we got to start doing referral things.
4: Yeah. We, again, we too, thought it was going to be tough to find a, a really great church. And um, little did we know that we would so easily just get plugged in here. And um, the thing that Doug and I always talk about after we're here or after uh, an event is how nice you guys are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, it, and, and we can't put our finger on it. There's just a different spirit here than any other church we've ever been at. And every time we leave, we're like, gosh, they're so nice. <laughs> you
0: know, something she said to me on the phone last night, which is amazing. And we're not church comparing. She's just talking about what she's experienced here. Um, so it's all fair game. She said, until you were talking on the phone last night, and she said, until we came to the gathering place, we thought, unfriendly churches was normal and until we experienced genuine kindness genuine sincerity that we are glad you guys are here you realized wait a minute i think this is normal this is what it should be like and i cannot tell you how much that touched me
4: yeah absolutely absolutely so and then the other thing that's just been a huge blessing is the kids program um our little guy was in a, a a group that was had a really wide age span, and um, he kind of really shied away from that. It was like one to five years old, and it was just too much for him because he's so little. <laughs> and Miss um, Kim's really worked with him, and um, he he. When we leave the parking lot, he waves. He turns around and waves. My Jesus. <laughs> Hi,
2: Jesus. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, he actually um, he actually called church Jesus and Benamo," because the first lesson they taught was about Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. And so he calls it Jesus and Benamo." So when we leave, he's all by Jesus. Bye, That's funny. So it's just been a, a huge blessing to see him flourish.
0: Too. And Doug. yeah.
5: Um, well, in, in 2007, uh, the Lord was really setting us up for for changing Churches, but there was just a dissatisfaction with where we were at, and um, I remember having a lot of conversations with Lisa as we were as we were visiting different churches. That there were a lot of criteria that we wanted in a church, and we would have these conversations of of what we were going to have to sacrifice, with uh, which, which criteria we were not going to be able to find because we just didn't think it, a church could meet all of those requirements. And this church does; it's, it's awesome. Uh, worship is. Is amazing. That was one of the first things that I noticed when we visited here was um, just the spirit in worship and the fact that there's such a freedom for the Holy Spirit to move in worship Mm. and that it's not programized. The people who who lead worship are so in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants to do and not just performing music Mm. um, and getting it done within a a certain time frame. Mm. And it's also been such a huge blessing to be able to play with them Mm. and and be able to participate in that.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to say uh, to Doug, you know, he he plays the, the fiddle up there. I mean, he's just, he goes crazy in that thing. And he says, and this is for Heather and Mark. He says he's never been able to play his instrument. He's he's very skillful. He's never been able to play his instrument the way he's dreamed of playing it for God in the house of God because the music is always so 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 programmed. But we have so much freedom and we believe that we can worship God with our instruments. When I played drums back there, I I used to play in bars. And I mean, it, um, unfortunately, if you get on YouTube now, you can find a video of me. And the band I used to be in, somebody posted it. It's a nightmare. All my high school friends got me on Facebook. Now everybody knows everything. And I was watching this video, you know, and my 10 year was like, Dad, did people like ask for your autograph and stuff? I knew you played drum, drums, but I didn't know, you know. So when I play drums, man, I, I'm done playing for people man i love playing for him and i want to give him every ounce of every. i tore my sticks for him i do all that for him i mean go for it you know and it's not performance it's worship and doug and i were talking on the phone last night and he said it's exactly how i feel it's the first time i've ever been in a worship band where you're allowed to just cut loose and go for it and not worry about people thinking you're performing i want to play my fiddle for him amen so welcome you guys you're a blessing thanks for being here and Dave and, and Tina just got married on New Year's Eve.
6: Okay, I'm not much for speaking in front of people. I have a very, very hard time doing this. But um, the way we came to the gathering place was through Shell Coppersmith. I had met Shelley at the food distribution, because I had been taking a friend every month when she would go pick up her food. She didn't have a car, so I would pick her up and take her, and she'd pick up her food, and I'd take her home. And Shel just walked up to me and introduced herself and just was so nice. I was like, wow, is this lady for real? Mm-hmm. I, I I really, I was just like, wow, this is, how how can she be this nice? But and then she started um, talking with me a lot and invited me to do a parenting class with her. And we both went through the parenting class with Shell. And then we started coming to church and met up with a great group, the ragamuffin group. And just...
2: They've helped you through a lot, have they? have
6: helped that? me through so much, yeah. both of us.
0: That's beautiful. So much. David, I remember the first service you came. I think it was about Song Two. You I ran down the aisle, knees. ran in the mi- I was fell on, on your knees. knees, worshiping God. And I thought, I was on my knees. That's what the Bible says in, in the Book of Corinthians. It says they will come to your fellowship, know that God's among you, and they will. They will. Uh, it says they'll fall on your face and say, "God's among you." Well, but we'll de- take the knees. December
7: thirteenth of last year. Um, I was at I was in my bedroom and crying like a little kid and I don't know what happened to me and and uh, something opened up in my heart you know uh, I felt God's presence and then um, Tina would come home after distribution food distribution and say these people prayed for you and I'm like why are they praying for me they don't know me you know you don't why are they praying for me and then. Um, she kept saying, you know, they're they're praying for you, they're praying for you, and and uh, I said I'm, I told her I'm gonna go meet some of these people. Then we met Shelly, and Shelly says I got this guy who, who's who's a Harley Davidson kind of guy, and and he's you you'll love him, and and uh, that was Matthew and and Bonita, and uh, we spent a lot of time at their house, and and uh, she married us um, December 31st. Uh yeah. um but I but I I mean uh, I had I had a rough time I, we've had a rough rough year uh where my medication and everything like that uh kind of went out of whack and I ended up in the in the loony bin um because of my medication and and then I called I called Mancini and he kind of talked to me and you know, and ease, ease the what I was going through, and uh Tina held on with uh Bonita and matthew and and whoever else prayed for us and and kathy and and Phil and I just can't get enough I can't get enough of this place. you know it's when you called last night, I'm like, "What Pastor John, he doesn't call anybody he, he <laughs> It must be, it must, it must be real, real important. (laughs)
2: Well. (laughs) Well,
7: what I found here was the laughter, the laughter. And, uh. I love John. I love John. And, you know, and we've had some tough times and, and uh, God has provided for us. Amen. Amen. Thank, you.
0: Thank you, guys. Oh. Honey, do I need to qualify that or just leave it alone? We're going to leave that one alone. All right. All right. God has truly poised us for growth. And I'm saying that to you today by the Holy Spirit prophetically. I don't step out and say things like this uh, irresponsibly. And, um, but before we take that step forward and talk to you about the Word of the Lord, there have been a handful of people behind the scenes that have worked so Many hours. I know you'd think, well, what's there to do? I don't even want to go into it. It has just been an enormous amount of behind-the-scenes effort and work. Uh, God moved us into this place so that we can prosper. But what has gone on behind the scenes to get us to the place where we can truly be a great church could not have been done without these people. So we just want to give a small token. I mean, if we were to pay them for the hours they put in... Uh, they would be doing very well. But we're not going to. <laughs> Instead, we're going to give them a token of our thanks, and Jesus will reward them in his own way. So, um, now listen, if we don't call your name, please don't get offended and leave the church. Just come and tell me. You know what? I helped out too, and then we will bless you, because sometimes you just mess up. But we've done the best we could just to look at those who have really gone the extra mile beyond, um, what, uh, what, uh, you would normally expect. So I want to ask Rick Lund, AJ, Bruce, who I don't see here today, uh, David Loates, uh, Kim Rohde, Chris Sheridan, Chris Paplava, Emily Jensen, and, uh, Carmel Lozano, and Marjorie Linskis to please, Marjorie, Marjorie Linskis, please come down. We want to honor you guys. Margie. Not Marjorie. Margie. Margie, 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 Margie. Okay. Now this would uh be uh who 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 is not here? Uh Bruce. Oh Kirsten? Well well that's that's good, you know why? Because this is a fifty dollar gift gift certificate for a dinner for two, so I'm assuming He would be taking you. All right. And then a a movie pass for two, which you don't need to tell him that's in here. If you don't want you can see it slips out. And then you could take a girlfriend if you want. There you go. So you'll take that for him. So thank you so much, Kirsten. And who else? Um, Okay, we got uh, Rick, AJ, Bruce. Emily Jensen's not here. Uh, Chris Sheridan's not here. Okay. So because of that, um, I get to uh, extend this a little bit. There's another couple here who have made sure that we have kept ourselves reaching out to those in need when we've been so consumed with our internal deals. Uh, we do a lot of missionary work, especially in Mexico. And during all this transition going on, Steve and Patty Pasco have gone down to Elongo multiple times. Steve's an architect, and he went down to this church that we've adopted. We have three churches down in Tijuana uh, out of this church. And they built a roof that was going to cave in on them. Steve could see it as an architect. He walked in and said, my God, this roof is going to cave in on all these precious people. So he went down there multiple times with lumber and with laborers and reconstructed their roof and took care of that church down there. And Patty went down with them many times. They're on the missions team. And I wanted to give you guys something today, and I thought I was going to run out. So I'm going to ask Steve and Patty Pastor, please come receive this as well. Thanks, you guys.
2: Thanks.
0: You Amen. So let's give them one more round of applause and thank them for all their work. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Margie. Thanks. All right, love's not easily offended. Okay, so this is for others. Whew. Okay, let me take a drink of water and then we'll shift gears. Junior high, in or out? Okay, junior high, you're out with the youth church. And uh, let's jump forward. It's cold in here again. Now, last week, last, last, how many of you are cold? Raise your hands. Okay, last week, I mentioned this, and I was told that this automatically set by the PSD. So, I'm going to say this out loud publicly, forgive me, whoever... Is responsible to get a hold of POC and let them know that this is a refrigerator in here, I'd appreciate it. Summertime, it'd be great. But I see Margie, or Margie, see now I'm stuck because you like, we're up in my business. I, I see Marcia back there, the tech team going like this, Has a, so she has a scarf on. Okay, that's a sign. So in December, I was walking down the beach on a three-day prayer and fasting for you and for me and for this church and God's vision for us. And whenever I go to be alone with the Lord, especially at the turn of a year, I always make sure I posture myself with a completely clean slate. Because why would I want to waste another year by me writing my own plans when my God has a plan for me? And thus a plan for this church. So I always make sure I go to him with a clean slate, completely blank in my heart and mind. And I say, God, what do you have for us this year? And he always inscribes something in my heart. And that is what fuels me and us for the rest of the year. And I'm going to prep this uh, a little longer than usual, because what he said to me as I'm walking down that beach, I didn't expect an answer immediately. Usually I ask God a question And then he gets it over to me eventually. But as I was walking down the beach and I I just said, Lord, what is it that what is 2009 about? And he knows I'm asking for a corporate comprehensive answer. And immediately he gave me an answer. And the answer was so shocking, so unexpected, so outside of anything I would think would even be a responsible answer that I sat on it. For days and days and days. And I said, Lord, I I need to know this is you. Because that would be a very irresponsible thing to say. You'll understand what I mean in a minute. So, about a week later I get an email from someone in the congregation that said the exact same thing. Then, uh, about a, uh, a few days ago, I was talking to Tim Larkin on the phone. And Tim was so excited about this year and the things that God was saying to him. And I thought, I think this is safe. I'm going to tell Tim what I think the Lord said. And when I told Tim what I believe the one word the Lord said to me, Tim, about came unglued. And he said, I was in my prayer time and the Lord spoke the exact same word to me. I came out of my prayer time and I said to my wife, this is what the Lord says 2009 is about. Told her the word. She got a marker, wrote it down, and he said that word is on my desk right now as we speak. And then somebody else heard this, called me up and said I had a dream about the Gathering Place Church. And it was just full and people... Everybody was praying for one another and people were being touched and healed. The spiritual atmosphere was charged. And she said to this, Catherine. Catherine said, My dad came, and my dad represents the nominal Christian. The Christian who's a Christian, but they don't get onto the prayer line. They really don't engage. They don't step forward, they're a little reserved. But he said, I need help, I need prayer. And he stepped out for prayer. And then all the children of the church came up and started prophesying over him, laying hands and praying over him. People were praying for him. She said it wasn't one or two. It was a lot. And it was an uncomfortable thing. The atmosphere was charged with the presence of God and the activity of God. And so after hearing, after receiving the email with the same word, and then Tim having the exact same word, and then Catherine having this dream, and after she had the dream... She had another dream, and in the second dream, it was a dream about her telling me about her first dream. Now, what do you think God was saying to her? So she called me up and said, I had a dream about you. Now, I had a dream that I had a dream that I was supposed to tell you about my dream. So I thought I'd call you and tell you about the dream. I said, smart intercessor. So I I, I want to prep it all with what I just said so that when you see this word, it's not cheap, it's not chintzy, it's not flippant, it's not hype, it's the word of the Lord. What he said to me as I was walking down that beach, I said, what is 2009 about? He said to me, this one word. And it's going to come up on the PowerPoint right now. Oh, you know what I did? People listening by CD right now are poised and listening and ready I completely forgot to tell you all about what we did last year as a church. I'm going to go ahead and give you this word, though, because that would just be wrong for me to back up right now. So I'll go back to that in a minute. Let's go to the PowerPoint that that shares the word that the Lord spoke to me on the beach. And that is the word prosperity. Now, you don't want to ask the Lord a question like, Lord, are you aware of the global economy situation? You don't want to ask a question like that when the sovereign Lord has said what he's going to do. But this is so much more than finances. If we were to reduce that word down to money... We would so miss God. The dream was about the kingdom of God advancing and changing people's lives who are hurt and broken. It certainly includes prosperity. When you look in the Bible and you see the land of Goshen, which is in Egypt, where these plagues hit Egypt out of judgment. But then the the town, the city that the Jews were quarantined to, the land of Goshen, when darkness hit Egypt... Light was in the land of Goshen. When when the plagues hit Egypt, no plagues hit the land of Goshen. It was those who set themselves apart to God that were not touched with the plagues. They were blessed by God in the midst of judgment. That's our God. Amen? So I'm including financial prosperity in this because when you look throughout the Bible, when the Bible says shalom or prosperity... You look that word up, it literally means wholeness, health, wellness, prosperity, social wholeness. It means relational, physical, spiritually, emotional. The Jewish, the Jewish mind does not categorize prosperity. Shalom means complete wholeness, internal and external, social, financial, career, marriage, family. That's prosperity. And so I'm just saying, yes, Lord. I'm not trying to detail it. I'm not trying to dictate to God what that means. I want it all. So. What I want to do now as a Bible teacher is to. Share how it is that this word can truly come to pass. Let's look at the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord plans to say it out loud, prosper "prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Now, why would God need to say that to this group of people, his people, because they were in bondage? They were slaves. They'd been taken over by the Babylonian kingdom and they saw no hope in the natural In the political arena, in the market arena, they were powerless. And the Lord speaks to them and says, I've got a plan for you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to take care of you. Look what it says in the message translation. I really like this. It brings out the heart of God. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Not to abandon you. Plans to give you The future you hope for. So, I want to answer this question now. If this prophetic word truly is from the Lord, what is my part? Because whenever God gives a prophetic word, he always gives us our part in it. Many times, like when people come to me about I, I tithed and it didn't work, I say, well, let's talk about the other 90%. Let's let's talk about the way you're treating your wife, because the Bible says that if you don't treat your wife right, the Lord will not answer your prayers. The Bible says, you know, that if we that, that they that cover their sins shall not prosper, but they that conf, confess and forsake shall obtain mercy and success. So you see, it's not like a cash register. It's not like you stick in a coin and get your Pepsi with God. It's a relationship. And so when the Lord gives a prophetic word, there's something usually always, I, I correct myself, always on our end to do. When God said to Elijah, I'm going to cause it to rain on the earth after three and a half years of drought. The next thing you see is Elijah on his face, praying and praying and praying. Seven times he said to his assistant, go see if the rain is here yet. And he sent him seven times. It's like, well, why is Elijah praying so fervently if God said it's going to rain? If God said it, then that's going to, it's just going to happen. Not so. The Bible says that God wanted to perform his word on the earth, but he was amazed because he could not find an intercessor. So he himself came to be that intercessor, which is a prophetic vision of Jesus coming, God, the man, God, Jesus. God always performs His will through a human vessel. I want it to be me, especially when the word is prosperity. <laughs> don't look so religious at me. You know you want it. I'll take it all if you don't watch out. I really will. I want to be accused by God of getting too much on the earth when I was living here. I'm like, I'm sorry. Tim called me back after he said that the Lord spoke the word prosperity to me for 2009. And he said there was another part to it. And this is critical. He said, I have set up my business so that I can succeed. And the Lord spoke to me out of the word of God. He was studying where God told Moses was it Moses. God told Moses, dig holes, dig wells in the ground. And if once you dig them, they're all set, then I will send the rain, the prosperity. You see. You can't live a life like a mess and then ask God to bless. You don't see that in the word anywhere. And so I want to be responsible with this word and bring it home to what is our part. Three things. Number one, seek God first. I've said this a lot. I said it a lot last week, so I'm not going to belabor this point. I want to get to the last point, which is really the meat of it. But I've got to say, seek God first. And that, and that I'm talking about make that your sole goal, your priority. Your sole goal. Seek God first. Didn't Jesus say, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his righteous way of living life, treating people right, living right, and his kingdom, then I will add all these things to you. Now listen, if we truly do that and we decide, you know what, my life is going to be about God. I don't care if anybody comes with me. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. My life is about God. If you do that, then we understand why. The second part of the verse makes sense. Jesus says, I will add everything to you. Well, if he's going to add everything to us when we seek him and his righteousness and his kingdom, then it's irrelevant to seek these things that everybody else in the world is seeking. Because they're already being added to you so that you have no, no reason. It's unnecessary to seek these things. What I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to put on. He said, don't seek those things. Seek me. I'll add these things to you. So, those things become irrelevant if we're seeking Him. In fact, the scripture I quoted you a minute ago that we quote so often that says, I know the plans I have for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to prosper you and give you a future. Look at what the next part of that verse says. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree, I'll turn things around for you. Amen. See, that's the context of prospering with God. He wants us to grow up and quit using him. He wants us to love him back and like a good daddy who owns it all and is not nervous about anything will begin to bless. Even in the midst of a world economy, even in the midst of the worst marriage, in the, in, in the midst of the most relational conflict, in the midst of incurable disease, whatever it is, our God will begin taking care of us in ways we've never imagined. So number one, we got to put God first, seek Him first, seek His kingdom for this word to truly come to pass. Number two is to believe it. This is a profound part to play in this. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus could not do many mighty miracles except He healed a few sick folk? And he marveled at their unbelief. God himself came down to the earth and stood right in front of us. And said, I've come to heal your leprosy. Well, I don't believe it. And Jesus says, I'm right here. I want to touch you. You'll be healed. And he said he marveled at their unbelief. He did healings all over the place. And they just... The Pharisees wanted to kill him. His own brothers and sisters thought he was a lunatic. You can see that in the scriptures that says they thought he was crazy. God's trying to reveal himself and do good. I remember one uh, brother, Kenneth Hagan, said that he went to this hospital room to pray for a pastor to be healed. He was on his deathbed. And as he was standing there, Jesus appeared in the hospital room. And Jesus, and and Kenneth was watching him, and Jesus went over to lay his hand on the man in the bed, and the man said, no, 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 I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And Jesus said, see, I want to heal him, he won't let me. So whether it's fear, whether it's shame, or whether it's unbelief, it blocks God from doing what God wants to do. And I'm not going to... Twist your arm to believe the word I've given you today. I just want to tell you I'm being the most responsible I can possibly be with a prophetic word like this. I believe it. Let's look in the book of uh, Second Chronicles chapter 2. Look what the scripture says. First of all, on the PowerPoint, look at this scripture. This is out of Second Chronicles chapter 2. I'll put it in context after we read it. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established, immovable, unshakable, even though the world's shaking around you. Believe his prophets and you shall, what, prosper. You've got to mix your faith with the word of God. The Bible says about God's people who were in the wilderness and God said, I have a promised land for you. They had been in the wilderness for 40 years. All they had was manna to eat, angel food was this bread they got tired of. They they were in the desert for 40 years. Well, initially they were in the desert for only a few days. And God said, I'm going to take you into the promised land. And because they didn't believe it, because they saw the giants in the land, because they saw the economy, because they saw the obstacles, because they saw whatever it was that was shouting to them, that is the most ridiculous thing you could believe. That you... this. This this people, the Hebrews, you're not military men or women. You don't have military training. You don't have the organization. You're the smallest nation out of all these other nations. And you're going to go into the land of Canaan and you're going to take over this land. It was ridiculous. And the Jews thought it was ridiculous, too. And God says in the book of Hebrews, because you did not believe me, you will not enter in. And they spent 40 years in the desert when they only had to spend a few days because of their unbelief. So when a new generation came up, Joshua and Caleb, who were young men at the time, they waited 40 years. They were the only two that believed. After 40 years, God said, "Okay, I'm going to give you another chance. Joshua and Caleb basically said, you all either believe or shut up. Because we are not waiting another 40 years. To go in and take the land we could have had if everybody believed the first time. I don't normally do this, but I have somebody raising their hand. This isn't about the chargers, is it? Okay. That would be Second Chronicles uh, 20. 20. Thank you. I love that. It was hunger. I like that. It wasn't just somebody being critical or being irritating. Yeah. Okay. So. So let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter what? 20. Now go there with me in your Bibles, people of God, students of the word, intelligent, biblically literate, spirit filled, lovers of God's word. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Yeah, oh, I like that. 2020's vision. That's awesome. You know what I'm going to do? I don't have time to go through this chapter. You read this chapter on your own. But all I want to say about this chapter is they were up against something that was so impossible that the king, with all God's people, came together and he said, this army is over, going to overwhelm us. We, we have no strength. We have no, we have no resources to overcome this, this onslaught. But our eyes are upon you. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon somebody in the congregation and said, You don't have to fight this battle. I'm going to fight it for you. Then he gave them the instructions, which was, All I want you to do is don't bring out your weapons. Don't bring out your mighty men of war against this massive army. I just want you guys to praise me. Send out your singers and just sing. It's the most ridiculous battle strategy. Could you imagine if that if we started doing that right now in the war that we're in? The new strategy that comes down. You hear it on CNN. New strategy. They've sent musicians to go out into the battlefield and begin to sing songs. That is what God told them to do. That's why this scripture is so relevant. That's why right before they did it, they said, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. Why did he have to say that to these people? Because they were told to go out and start singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, in front of a massive army that was going to wipe them out. They said, believe the word of the Lord and you shall prosper. They went out there, they began singing, and God sent angels and confused the army, and they, they slaughtered each other, and they ran off and Israel, picked up all the spoils. They didn't even have to fight in the war. But they did have to do what the Lord said, which was to praise Him. That was their assignment. What is our assignment? I'm going to tell you what I believe the Lord gave to me. This is point three, and that is this. And this year, where the Lord says, This is going to be a year of success. You are set up to prosper and to succeed and to be fruitful and to be successful. I believe what the Lord is saying to you and I is Give me your best. Don't give me half baked, give me your best. And this is the way he said it to me last year. Do the best you can with what's in your hand. Don't say, well, when I have this or when I have that or when I have this much money or when I have this many people or when I have Mr. Wright or Miss Wright, or when I have or when one day. What did Jesus say? Look at this passage. Well done. Good servant. Because you were faithful in very little. Have authority over ten cities. Wow. You go from very little to overseeing ten cities with Jesus. He's looking for not competency. He's looking for availability and faithfulness. And you see... In many parables Jesus taught about kingdom economy, that faithfulness is not just being there. Faithfulness is doing the best you can with what's in your hand. Everything great in the kingdom starts small. One of the parables Jesus comes and gives five talents to one person, two talents to another person, and one talent to another person. And the person with the five talents went and invested them, whether it's a gift or whether it's your love or whether it's your prayers or whether it's parenting with your your children or whether it's money or whatever it might be, that talent, that ability, the kingdom economy, you and the resources God's given to you, he invested the five and got five back. And Jesus said, well done. The person that had two Invested the two and got two back and he said, well done. The person who had one made excuses. They said, I'm afraid. And, God, and the scripture is pretty brutal. Jesus said, well, actually, you're wicked and lazy. And took the one talent that God had given to them to invest and gave it to the guy who has five. And they said, why did you give it to the guy that has five? Because he's doing something with it. Dirk had a dream, the Holy Spirit, I love it how the Holy Spirit communicates from all different directions in all different ways about a word he wants to give to us as his spiritual people. And as I sit with the prophetic word, I wait and I say, God, speak to me. And he begins to, you got a dream here, you got a prophetic word there, you got a prophetic email there. And then Dirk had a dream and the dream was someone that came up to me, uh, supposedly a member of the church, but, you know, he didn't recognize her, but he knew it was a member of the church, and she said, I have a song to sing. And when she began to sing, it wasn't very good. But she was doing it with all of her heart. And when Dirk woke from the dream, he knew that the message was, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the best. Just give me your best. And that will be good enough. And I knew it was a word for Vision Sunday. That everybody has a part to play in the kingdom of God. We are about to do something great. Let me say it this way. God is about to do something great. Are we all going to jump in and do it with Him? Or are we going to sit back with a person like with the one talent and say, Well, I don't know, not me, because. and have this whole list of excuses why you never really did anything with God. Or are you going to step out with the very little that you have and watch God do something with it? Here are some biblical examples. David had a sling and five stones. That's King David. I can't go through all these biblical stories if you're not uh, familiar with them, so I apologize for that. But just start reading the Word of God and you'll start learning all these powerful Stories, Real encounters that people had with God, walking with God. David, a teenage boy, had a sling and five stones. With God, he only needed one stone. And he knocked out Goliath and won the battle. Moses had a stick. And that stick became a very powerful rod of God that split the Red Sea, among other things. Noah had a hammer and some wood. Talk about faithfulness. 110 years it took him to build that ark. He didn't have a big crew. It was him. He was faithful. And look what happened. There was a widow in the Bible who had one jar of oil. And she told the prophet, the creditors, the bill collectors have been calling me and calling me and calling me. Well, coming over on a donkey and harassing me. She said, the creditors are coming. The creditors are coming. I only have one jar of oil. Oil was a, 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 the, their primary source of economy back then. I have one jar of oil left. I only have 100 bucks in my checking account. And the creditors are calling, she says to the prophet. And you know what he said? What do you have in your house? She goes, well, I have some empty jars. He said, gather them. And then go to all your neighbors and get as many jars as you can. And every time she brought a new jar in... More oil came until she was incredibly prosperous. But she started with that one jar of oil. What is in your house? What is in your hand? There was another widow. There was a drought in the land. And the, and the prophet came to her and said, will not you bake me a biscuit? And she said, I only have a handful of flour and a little oil in a jar. And he said, Make me a biscuit first. And she did and she was provided for in a profound way. Abraham only had a word from God. Leave your family, leave your country, go to a land I will show you. That's all he had, and now he's called the father of faith. There was a little boy in Jesus' ministry who had five loaves of bread and two small fish. But when he handed them to Jesus, he fed 20,000 people with them. Peter had a boat and a net. That's all he had. And do you know that Jesus could have made those fish jump into the boat? But he required Peter to do something with his net. And it was really complicated, too. The Lord always gives instructions that are incredibly complicated. Like, throw your net over the other side of your boat. It takes humility sometimes to do what God says to you to do. You remember Naaman, the Syrian general, who had leprosy? And they said, there is a prophet of God in Israel. He'll know what to do. So they, they all come with all of his soldiers and his battalion, and they come up to the prophet's house. And the prophet wouldn't even come outside. And it offended Naaman. I'm a general in the Syrian army. And the prophet sends out his little servant. And the servant says... Uh, The prophet says you're supposed to dip down to the Jordan River seven times. And the Jordan River was, was dirty. And he was so offended. One, that the prophet wouldn't even come out and see him. And two, that the assignment was that he had to go down and dip in this river seven times like an idiot in front of all the army. So he with his leprosy, was so arrogant and so prideful and so offended at the simple direction of God that he began to turn around and leave. And the servant said, Sir, can I ask you a question? If he asked you to do something difficult, would you do it? Of course you would. He's just asked you to do something very simple. And the Syrian general heard the wisdom and went down into the water and was healed. Peter and John did not have gold and silver. They had the name of Jesus, and they raised the lame man from from his sickbed. A poor widow had two mites. That is the smallest coin in Roman circulation. Each is worth one-eighth of a cent. She put it in the offering and Jesus said she gave more than everybody else. And she's gone down in history as the example of a giver. Stephen and Philip passed out bread to widows. Stephen became the first martyr after doing mighty miracles. And Philip became an evangelist with four virgin daughters who prophesied. Jesus had 12 men. And to this day, millions are still coming to him. Some current examples. Listen to this. From uh, Mother Teresa. This is a great example of someone who started small. Mother Teresa says this. I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I look only at the individual. I can love only one person at a time. I can feed only one person at a time. Just one, one, one. So you begin. I begin. I picked up one person. Maybe if I didn't pick up that one person, I wouldn't have picked up the others. The whole work is only a drop in the ocean. But if we don't put that drop in, the ocean would be one drop less. Same thing for you. Same thing in your family. Same thing in the church where you go. Just begin. One, one, one. That's Mother Teresa. I remember when Hope said she wanted to adopt a special needs child. I didn't want to do it. Because I'm like, there's millions of orphans all over the world. What's one? really? I want to make a big difference. But now that we adopted Samuel, I see the change in that little human being. And it is one of the most satisfying things I've ever done in my life. You just got to do something. Start somewhere and do something with God. I have a testimony from David Smilkovich, which I won't read because we're running out of time, and it's very important what we need to do next. But David gave a, was counseling somebody here. David's on the benevolence team of our church. He's the CFO of his company. And uh, he was counseling somebody here in the church, and he said, let me give you an example of how to prosper. And he said, you're tithing, that's good, but let me tell you what happened to me. And he, gives, he gave his, his story over the last 10 years about he started by selling kites at a swap meet for his wife's grandparents, And ends up making six to seven times the amount of money that he was back then. But God told him little things to do along the way. Go to school. Invest here. Be faithful there. Do this. And he kept following God's leadership all the way until now. He is light years beyond where he was. But it started small and it it continued with faithfulness. So you say, well, what do I have? Well, that's your question to answer. Do you have a prayer to pray? Pray it. Do you have a Bible to read? Read it. Do you have an encouraging word to share? Share it. Do you have an extra dollar to give? Give it. Do you have a song to sing? Sing it. Do you have a spouse to love? Love them. Do you have time to give? Give it. Do you have a skill to offer? Offer it. Do you have a testimony to tell? Tell it. Do you have a friend to witness to? Witness. It doesn't just have to be in this church. The kingdom of God is everywhere you go. But right now, God is stirring up this house. Look at this passage of scripture. This is great. God always uses everybody. That's how you do something great. The Lord has gifted skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any tasks involved in building the sanctuary. So you might think your natural talent is not spiritual. The Bible says that God literally puts his spirit in people so that they have the ability to do natural Things like carpentry, number crunching, tapestry, seamstress, counseling. These things we think are natural. The Bible says that God puts the spirit of the Lord in them to give them the ability to do these things for the purpose of building a sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord commanded. So Moses summoned all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to do the work. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem But it took everybody in Jerusalem that were the people of God to jump in and be a part of it. And look what he said to them. Come, let us build. That's the word of the Lord to us right now. That's what God's saying to every single one of us right now. Gathering place, church. Now is your time. And I I hope you can hear me. I'm not hyping this. I'm not saying this because I want it to be so. The Lord spoke this. Now is your time, but you have a part to play. Do something, even if it's very little. And it's not just for the church. It's for your life and what God's called you to do and to be. Come, let us build. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. So they said, let us rise up and build. So they set their hands to this good work. And then the enemy came up against them. And tried to intimidate them. One of the things Tim said to me today was, I believe the Lord said there's going to be hardship, there's going to be trial this year, but there's also going to be prosperity if we will stay faithful to the Lord. Very important word to hear. And so when the enemy came against Nehemiah, doing a great work for God with the people of God, here's Nehemiah's response. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. Can we say the same thing, family of God? Okay, well, here is uh, areas of opportunity. Now, we were going to walk through these, but we don't have time to do that. But let me just have these come up on the screen about where can I pitch in? What is needed right now in the Gathering Place Church? where well, I can roll up my sleeves and be a part of it. Dirk, why don't you come up? Dirk is the ministry of the church. Let's welcome Dirk. Yeah, Why don't you uh, very quickly walk through this Because Tim's going to come up and receive the offering in just a minute And then we want people to have an opportunity To go out to the information center And sign up uh, For some of these
8: teams All right. Wasn't it great hearing all the testimonies About those who came to the church When everyone was sharing I was When Chris mentioned the, the kingdom of God I was thinking how much we need the kingdom of God We need fellowship, we need worship But as John was teaching I, it's, it's amazing to think that the kingdom of God needs us and I just want That's to encourage true. you, the kingdom of God needs you. You're not just here because you need the kingdom of God. But it's because the kingdom of God needs you, and you have a place to plug in. And I just want to share, when I first started coming to the church, um, the first thing I started doing is John called me and asked if I'd bring a couple dozen donuts and pick them up on the way to church. And that was the beginning of the hospitality team. And just this week, I was talking to Doug, and he was mentioning how he took, um, you know, those gifting tests before or wasn't sure what his gifting was. And his gift is he's a barista. And he's going to be, joined, be joining the hospitality team. He's going to bring his espresso machine here in a few weeks. So it's just great to see people get engaged in their gifting. And I just want to share with you, you have significant gifting that you may not realize. Like there's guys setting up signs, and there are people who come to church and get saved or eternally changed because someone set up a sign. And so there's, there's awesome ways to get involved. Um, some of the ways to get involved, there's a first touch team. Those of you who would like to make phone calls and follow up on those who are visiting, there's a connect groups, our small groups during the week. We need hosts, and we need leaders. Uh, you could help me with the bulletins and the flyers. I need some desktop publishers. If you're interested in that, let me know. We have a PR and advertising team. We have a web team. Um, we have churchwide events, and we need someone who will lead that team and put picnics together and other events, and also those who will support that team. We have Sunday school classes from nursery to fifth grade that um, need assistance and also teachers. Our youth church, they're meeting right now. We have a junior junior high Sunday school class. We also have a youth group on Tuesdays. We're looking for assistance in the youth group, also someone who would be willing to um, lead a youth band and lead worship on, at youth on Tuesdays. We have prayer teams. We have Sunday morning prayer here before service. We have prayer teams that come up and pray for people. We also have uh, um, a prayer chain. You can join that. We have different, different ways to get involved with missions. You can be on the missions prayer team or help make presentations, or help plan mission trips. And there's a number of support teams, uh, ushers and greeters, um, being at the information table, uh, being part of the hospitality team, and set up and tear down, and also audio visual. So any of those areas, if you're interested in finding out more, see me at the information table, you can sign up. And sign up doesn't mean that you're necessarily committing to the team, it just means you're interested in finding out more, and we'll have someone contact you.
0: Very good, can we thank Dirk? Whenever I, whenever I see or think of Dirk, the song comes in the mind, the wheels on the bus go. I think without Dirk, man, the wheels yeah. would not stick on the bus. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this place is going to be a beehive. I mean, as the, as we begin to prosper, people coming on the campus, people finding us, people checking us out, coming to, I want them to come on and find a, a, just a beautiful place where the wisdom of God flows. Just like the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon, she said, your wisdom is incredible. Uh, the order of your your house, the order of your table, your servants, the way they're dressed, everybody's happy. The wisdom of God manifests itself in systems and orderliness. And so that's what I want people to run into. And um, so, but real quick before we receive the offering, let's go back and look at what you guys did last year. Um, in 2007, these are the ministries that this church, talk about uh, little doing much, this church has done big things around the world already. International ministries. These are the ministries that we supported just last year. Let's go. Let's go through them. Uh, missionaries, I mean. Rick and Beverly Zachary uh, in Nepal and Sri Lanka. Let's, let's, let's just move quickly. And uh, well, uh, the, the Murdochs in Brazil. Uh, you supported uh, all throughout Central, uh, Mid, and South Mexico through Mario. We also supported uh, Doug and Zillo, uh, Linda Zillowiger in Russia. Our missionaries, we just picked up Michael Huff, which is uh, Sissy's uh, brother, Sissy, Cecilia Riley. Scott and Leslie Freeman of Costa Rica were just here a couple weeks ago. Stephanie DeMink out of E3 Third World. Uh, she's going to Ethiopia with us in April. Uh, Tim and Phoebe Wong in China. I got a great report from them yesterday. A thousands of people coming to Christ in China. That's not even the real names. You're not allowed to see their picture. They're underground. They oversees hundreds of thousands of Christians in China. Frontiers reaching the Muslims in the Middle East. Uh, Matt and Nicole Paschal uh, in Senegal, Africa. We picked him up last year. John and Joy Munger, Prayer Lake Retreat uh, Center in Louisiana. And uh, Ethiopia, last, uh, two years ago we went, we're going again in April. And this picture, this next picture you're going to see here, that is, this guy got saved last time we went. That's his house to the right. To the left is a little church he built after he gave his life to Jesus. 18 people come from the village that was 100% Muslim that we got ran out of. He has a little hut and he says they come every week for church and he's building a church right there in his little village. Amen. Isn't that cool? And, uh, last year we gave, uh, you gave, uh, $10,000 to a new program which is storytelling. I can't get into that, but, uh, we've adopted a people group in Ethiopia, Opio called the, uh, Aros, Oromo um, Ar- RC people and we are penetrating them through a model that's never been used before and it's working And I just got a call from the president of E3 yesterday and said if you guys did not give that ten thousand dollars It would not be happening But because you gave it we are now being, being able to penetrate the Muslim world in Ethiopia like we never have in the history of missions So we invested in a new venture project a new way to reach souls and it's working um, And then let's keep moving quickly Tithes and offerings last year into this church was $514,000, uh, which was only uh, like $25,000 less than the year before. So last year, listen to me, a lot of my friends are laying off staff members, uh, cutting back on missionaries, not being able to pay their bills. Our church has almost not missed a beat because of your faithfulness and because of God's faithfulness. We are still doing very well, and God has, beyond that said, in this year you're going to prosper. So I am very humbled and thankful to our God. Last year we gave away $106,000 of that 514 dollars Like we do every year, we give away 20% to the poor and to the needy and to the missionaries. That's one of the reasons God continues to prosper us, because we are not going to stop giving money out. Amen? And then what we have today in savings for a future building, the gathering place, is... Coming seven hundred and ninety five thousand dollars that we have in savings of this church for a future building. But amen. Go ahead. Give yourself a. What? Hmm? Oh, my wife corrected me. We're only down fourteen thousand dollars from last year, not twenty five thousand. And we have uh, something like fourteen thousand dollars actually reserved in missions account as well to be used for. Uh, picking up new missionaries, uh, we are prospering, and uh, there was something else that I was uh there 's something else I was going to say right there. oh yeah, I want to say this when I was in Russia, I met with a church in the forest. In China, they meet underground in musty basements. In India, they meet in huts that get to over 120 degrees inside. Even when I go down to South Mexico, meeting these little concrete, really just a, like a garage where people cram in there just loving God with all their heart. I know it's a little inconvenient to meet in a school instead of having our own building, but we are blessed. God did not give us this school to decrease, but to increase and to become the thousand strong he's called us to be. And I think we need to be thankful. Amen. 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 So let's use what God has given to us. And let's do the best we can with what's in our hand. Amen. Tim, will you come receive the offering? Thank you for being on Vision Sunday. It's going to be a great year. I'm going to go out and outside so I can, uh, can, can greet any guests we might have. I am really excited about this year, and I'm glad we're going to do it together.
9: Hello. Hello. All right. Real quick, as the ushers are getting ready to um, receive the offering, let's pray over it first. Father God, we thank you for these gifts that we have to be obedient to you. And Lord, we know that you're going to multiply them and prosper them for your kingdom. And we thank you for the blessing and the prosperity that you're promising us as we are obedient today in Jesus name. Real quick, Pastor said to share one thing that I was sharing with him. I want to give you a word. It's in Genesis chapter 26, beginning with verse 1. It says that there is a, go ahead, ushers, go ahead and begin to receive the offering. It says that there is a famine in the land. It not only says that there is a famine in the land, it says that there is just like there was a couple of times with his father Abraham. God began his redemption process with the people of God, with Abraham, and right off the bat, he was in famine. And then he was in famine again. And both times Abraham was in famine, he got a little bit nervous and he went back into the world. He went back to Egypt for help. But in, I, in Genesis chapter 26, Isaac was now on this scene and he enters into a famine as well. And God says to him, this time, Isaac, I, I don't want you to run to the world. This time, I want you to know that I'm going to be with you. Everybody say there's going to be a famine, but God is going to be with me. Amen? Well, the key verse is in verse 12. Look it up later and just meditate on it. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. It says, so Isaac stayed put, and he invested, and he planted, and he sowed where he was. And God caused an increase of a hundred Everybody say, a hundredfold. That means if you, if God knows you need a thousand dollars, giving ten dollars brings a hundredfold a thousand dollars. Do you understand what I'm saying? He invested and God multiplied it a hundredfold. And it says he did it in the same year. In the same year. As the famine hit, He stayed put. He didn't run around into the world to find his help. He said, God is with me. He planted and he sowed and he invested. And God multiplied him a hundredfold in the same year. Everybody say famine and increase in the same year. 2009 is going to be a year of trial, famine, and prosperity for the kingdom of God. Amen.
0: Okay. We're uh, going to close out the service now. First of all, we forgot earlier to welcome any first-time guests that we have here. And if you would, in your bulletin there's a card. Take just a few minutes, fill that card out. And uh, you can drop it off at the information desk out there. If you have a prayer need, we'd love to join you in prayer. We want to open the altars now for the ministry teams. If you have a need, uh, any type of a need, uh, financial need, uh, a need, physical need, healing, whatever it is, please come forward. We want to join you in prayer. And uh, we just uh, want to release everyone else. Go and share the gospel with someone share the exciting things that are going on here, and let's reach this community for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.
8: Amen. Amen.